So Jeff, uh, this is what, our seventh podcast, I think, and we're both huge Saints fans. And um, obviously in the, this last uh, couple months, we've had to deal with the, uh, the bounty gate. Yeah, that's and, right. And really haven't talked about it at all on the podcast. And It's been so very painful. It has been really painful. It's really, you know, coming out of <clears throat> when the Saints lost to the Niners, uh, I was extremely optimistic the next day. Uh, more more than I should have been, but I thought I really kind of felt like you know what uh, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna make some improvements on defense. Uh, our offensive line really came together in the last half of the year uh, through the playoffs, and I felt like you know what for this team to win, this is probably a, somewhat of an unpopular opinion am, uh, among Saints fans, but, but you know, my opinion is the Saints have to have home field advantage throughout, and I, I, I felt strongly that. They could go in and win 13 or 14 games this year and get to the Super Bowl and be the first team to ever host the Super Bowl and be in the Super Bowl. That's right. And and that was just something that I was I was kind of that kind of helped uh, assuage that loss to the Niners, in which there were some really big hits, by the way, kind of ironically. Uh, you know, uh, Pierre Thomas getting knocked out of the game on a helmet-to-helmet hit that was legal by the rules. Uh, as they are in the NFL, but it, but it certainly that that kind of speaks to the player safety issue that then uh, came to the forefront as uh, the bounty gate. Well, in in reference to that particular incident, they trotted out as a PR response to some of the blowback that's coming back on the NFL and Goodell at this point about issues of fairness and about the severity of the penalties. They rolled out this tape from a documentary filmmaker who happened to be in the Saints locker room as Greg Williams was speaking, and he was saying some things which later on have been confirmed by nearly every player to play the game as just normal, mundane, everyday kind of stuff that happens before a game, even though they're trying to parse it by saying that certain things where they indicate that he said target the ACL or this or that. When I saw the hit on Pierre Thomas, I said, you know, let's get the tape of the San Francisco 49ers pregame uh, locker room yeah. conversation well, and listen to what they're saying. If you did it before any game, it, it, we, we can all feign being shocked, but yeah, you're I, going I, to hear things that are going to be vicious I, like I, that. I think most people weren't at all shocked by that and that most NFL fans understand that that's kind of the normal thing. I mean, players came out and said, look, that's normal stuff, you know, as far as the, the pregame kind of fire fire your troops up kind of thing, go well, out and hit them and hit them hard. Well, it's interesting that you game. say that because, I mean, it was clearly being used by the NFL to try and create that effect. Sure. To have a shock impact because the thrust the of this entire uh, escapade has been that the NFL is very deeply... Uh, attempting, in my opinion, to uh, wage this war on a PR front. It's obvious to me that they have uh, some very well-paid public relations firms that are coming up with these tactical responses to blowback from the situation because the blowback has been really hard because a lot of ex-NFL players, a lot of current players 
are find themselves wondering why the New Orleans Saints have been singled out for something that so many people agree is a very widespread uh, issue that, that many people have, have engaged in. And I think that m most people have determined that the reason why is that there's this looming slew of injury-based lawsuits that That's are right, against yeah. the NFL right now, yeah. and that and that that uh, threatens to 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 damage the the league. And and this guy Goodell, uh, his response to it has been to have these kind of uh, really m more over-the-top punitive actions than any other commissioner that yeah. uh, the NFL has had. Well, I agree with that completely. I mean, I had two thoughts. One was that it's, uh, this is all about litigation. It's about future litigation. Uh, the, the, the attorneys have come in and, and advised Goodell that when these lawsuits start coming in, you have to have a proven track record that you did everything within your power for player safety or else we're fucked. You know, when Junior Seau's, uh, uh, when they- what, when, well, when he commits suicide. When they look at his, well, when he shoots himself in the chest so that his brain can be examined, you know, that's, that's the reason he shot himself in the chest. At least that's what people are speculating. You know, and his family said, yes, we're gonna give you, we're gonna give his brain to science and they're gonna see some, they're gonna see some brain damage. Right. You know, uh, most likely. And so there are going to be lawsuits. This is going to start. This is going to be a. a, a, a it's going to be a shitstorm for for the NFL, and, and and so they have to be able to say, look what look at all the drastic steps we took, one of which included uh, smacking down the Saints. The second thing that, that I feel like this the reason that the Saints got smacked down on is is because they've been such a an arrogant uh, organization. Uh, over the in the Sean Payton era, and and they've they've kind of just kind of middle fingered the the, the league and the league office, I guess. Not the league. I think that comes office. from uh, from the Parcells model, and sure. he's he's kind of been that way for a long time as well, from from what I understand. It's the Saints and fan. I haven't minded it. I haven't minded it at, as at, all. at all as well, and especially when it comes to this Goodell guy, because I've been saying for years several things that I. I believe that this guy, especially starting with the labor dispute, that this guy is going to be the death of the league. When historically they go back and look at, or at least the decline, when they look at where it began, it's going to begin with this guy. And particularly because I have a deep distrust for trust fund babies, yep. kids who are second and third generation rich kids that get raised with a silver spoon in their mouths and then assume that they are endowed with the characteristics of uh, the leadership. Right. And I looked at Roger Goodell's background as a result of that distrust, that inherent distrust that I have, because as we can see, for me, it's it all begins with, <laughs> believe it or not, George W. Bush. You know, <laughs> because I look at him and I say that's the perfect example of the baby boomer generation, the 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 selfish, uh, self-indulgent generation of Americans that all were raised in you know, immense privilege. Not everyone, but people of his ilk. Sure. And, and Roger Goodell is one of those people. Sure. And the fact that he's not a person who has empathetically ever in his life had to deal with how the other half lives greatly feeds into his management style. And I think that that is, a, it's detrimental in a league where uh, 95% of your players are made up of 
people from that other half. Yep. So how is it that you're going to connect with those people? And we saw how that played out with the labor dispute because they clearly had the upper hand and his idea was smash them like slaves. And that's the way that they went about it, in, in my opinion, and they were yeah. able to do it. And, and they won on practically every front, although in the end, it wasn't so far off from uh, the original offer that the NFL Players uh, Association had made in the first place, which but begs the question, why go through all this drama in the end to, to reach that conclusion? And to right. me, the reason why is because the NFL has also never had as publicity-seeking a commissioner as this Roger Goodell guy who never misses a moment to put himself in front of the camera to figure out a way to increase his celebrity and to increase his, I would say, net worth by simply being in front of the camera. And he considers himself agreed. to be a celebrity. Agreed. He puts himself in the camera a lot, and, and he uses very few words, and he's very measured because unlike George W. Bush, who couldn't stop with his putting his, paws, his putting foot his in his, his mouth. mouth, yeah, I think Goodell realizes, like, kind of the less I say and the more square-jawed I look, the better. And then that's kind of what he Unfortunately seems. Unfortunately for me, that's that's true. But uh, I think that that leaves a, you know, in in my layman's psychology, that leaves the ability for a, a separate expression uh, that comes out with this guy, which is this expression of how punitivism is going to be doled out sure. by him, which has been nothing less than a, a track record of complete failure sure. to me and complete inconsistency that ha will never hold weight in court. It will never hold up. It's it's totally arbitrary on every front. And, the, and, and this Absolutely. entire situation has exposed some deep problems that the NFL has in terms of how their uh, their justice system, as it were, is structured because no other commissioner has ever let this many negative situations come to a boil. And I question differently than people on ESPN because the, our media is so sycophantic that they just lavishly fall behind power and money Absolutely. for very good reasons, and we understand that, that they exonerate power and leadership all the time. Anyone who questions power and leadership and the decisions and punishments that come from them are labeled almost immediately as childish and rebellious and any of a host of negative uh, 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 terms that you can think to, to place on them. It's, it's just simply not the case. These are men and they're thinking men, and they have educated thinking men on their side who are attorneys and who also know the law. You cannot simply, one pundit last week said, uh, a private entity, the NFL can do this. They can have their means of appeal. Because they're a corporation. Because they're a corporation. I'm like, oh, that's funny. My response to that is that if I run a sawmill and I'm unhappy with a worker, does that mean that I can run his hand through the sawmill and cut it off? Because you're a corporation. Because I'm, no. I'm a corporation and no, I'm that, unhappy that, that with that? That is really strange. I can't do that. Right. There's common law that, yep. that determines labor relations. It determines how things are structured within a corporation. All of it is determined, in fact, by law. Yeah. It's not determined by, by whimsy and caprice. You know, and, and there's this, this uh, conventional wisdom that media punditry relies on to explain how corporations work. 
that is so completely childish and off base. It's completely childish. It is not true. It's like a six. It's like a eight-year-old's uh, fantasy world idea of what a corporation is and how life works. Right. Exactly. Any any sports. Once I'm have a private company. I can do anything I want. I can do anything I want. No, you can't. No, actually, you can't. Yeah, and, well, and the reason why is because of common law. Well, let's, let's talk about this idea of how you know, the NFL has had unprecedented uh, success as a sports league. You know, it took over baseball, obviously kind of crushes basketball in this country. And, uh, I mean, it's the most popular sport in the world outside of soccer sure. <laughs> in right. the rest of the world. But um, and and you, it just has the feeling that that I mean the reason that I think they got that contract that excuse me that labor dispute resolved was because ultimately it's just a big old pile of money to share. So you know then the, the players conceded because things are so good with the NFL. I should say they sure. have been so good sure. and the television contracts are so good, revenue is so good um, that. You know the players are going to make all these concessions, and the owners made a couple, but it's it's just the money's there, and and, and you get the feeling that the league, its players, the league office, the owners feel like they're untouchable. Whereas I feel like this league could crash really fast, really soon. It could it could have uh, a, just a great fall, and and I think one of those issues is that as you put the spotlight on player safety I'm a huge NFL fan I love the NFL you know I love football suddenly I'm thinking about I'm thinking about injuries and player safety more than almost anything you know as much as anything else it's become this like this 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 issue you know that that well and that's because that is solely because of the way that the commissioner Roger Goodell has decided to handle things yeah. which is completely different from his predecessors who were wiser men than yeah. he is he's not a good manager he's yeah. not a good leader for this organization and as I was saying earlier today and I've been saying this for some time that that if the league eventually declines when they look back at the genesis of that decline one name is going to come up again and again and again and it's always going to be after the guy leaves because of the sycophancy of power and media following them once those people are out of power then they feel free right. or when they're lame duck or when they're lame duck or when they're lame and duck then, then they feel free to actually go after on. them and come out with these stories about all the mistakes that this individual made. And he is definitely making those mistakes right now because exactly what you're saying is exactly the way that, the opposite way that uh, Paul Tagliabue, who, whose name nobody remembers, and why? Well, I, because he was so good. Well, he was good because he, he understood the importance from a high up corporate level of not being in the spotlight. Right, you know, it's kind of that mafia thing. Remember that scene in uh, in in Goodfellas, right? When yeah. uh, they accomplish the biggest heist, you know, in American history. Yeah. And they rob them, and then they go to the place, and, uh, and the like guy's already like bought, bought a like car. A, he's bought a car <laughs> and a fur right. coat for his wife. Right. Right. And he's slapping around. He's like, "You don't put it out front. Yeah. You don't talk about your problems that you're having because Pink it has Cadillac. this way of snowballing." out of control and and that is that is the issue and they went and fucked but, up the wheel man 
I'm sorry? I felt bad for the wheel, man. They went and fucked his shit up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They Black just, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He got... crushed him. Yeah, yeah. He got killed. Sure man. Will, man. Sam Jackson, man. You know? That wasn't, that wasn't Sam Jackson. In Goodfellas? Yeah. Was yeah, it, it was. Sam Jackson? Yeah, huh. Samuel Jackson, man. Huh. Yep. Before he oh, became he's a, famous. He's a good man. actor. Yeah, he's great. Because I don't even... It's a chameleon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's... I, uh, Tagli, Tagliabu? Tagliabu, it's yeah. It's a tough one, man. Yeah, I know. Um, PT, he... Uh, oh, you know, as a Saints fan, you gotta love that guy because he, he was so... He, he, the Saints would have been gone uh, after Katrina. Right. If not for him. He That's stepped right. in and he made sure there's no way that Benson was moving the team and that the NFL basically came in and said, we're going to renovate your dome. Sure. We're going we're gonna to do this. It's going to be our people running it, making sure it's on schedule. And, uh, and they saved the Saints. And, and the that's great. Save the Saints. Yeah. That's great. You know, I, yeah. I can't see any of that kind of stuff happening with this guy, you no. know. And that, was, that goes back to something that we were talking about earlier on today is how uh, the management of the league is affecting certain aspects of local economy because there are decisions that people are waiting on the hook to hear about. Uh, just for you folks who don't know, the, the, the Super Bowl in 2013 is going to be in New Orleans. And people are already chomping at the bit to make their bids and to make preparations for this and all the business that all the itinerant events. business and events that come along with it. Right. And the NFL has left everything on the hook, uh, everyone on the hook, and requires them to be on the hook and available uh, for this particular period of time. Well, the NFL basically comes in and says, <laughs> "Excuse me, we get first bid on every venue in town. They get first bid, and no one can." It's a domino effect until the NFL comes in and says, these are the venues that we're taking on these dates. No one else can book a venue. So there you go. And so here you have we are. The entire are in industry, the hospitality industry is the, by and far and away, the biggest industry in New Orleans. That's right. And there's seafood somewhere, you know, in Louisiana. I mean, the, and the, oil. The, and the, so it's all lower. But the hospitality industry crushes everything else in That's terms right. of revenue for the city. That's right. And um, you've got an entire industry, which I'm a part of, um, that's just, we're just kind of twiddling our thumbs, waiting to see what the fuck's gonna happen. And, and, and we're, we are, we're surmising at this point that one of the reasons why is because there's so many distractions going on with this Goodell guy, yeah. that he's, he's so involved with this uh, I guess, I idea of being punitive and taking these actions against players, well, and et cetera, et cetera. Maybe it's his management style, like you, get, like you keep saying, because I, I, I can't imagine that he's making decisions about where NFL events are going to happen. But something, you know, if you're, hey, if you're a bad manager, you're a bad leader, you're, then maybe these are the kind of things that happen. You know, there's so, it someone feels else. Like that. It feels like that to me. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it feels like. When I hear what you're saying, I'm not surprised by that. So suddenly you've got an entire city, an industry, again, the, 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 the most powerful leaders in the city are aware of this and in tune with this and are like, what the fuck is going on? Right. You know, what's, right. what's the NFL doing? Yeah. We're, it's May. It, it feels almost like These they're, they're trying to... These things should have been booked six months ago, you feel like. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah, a year ahead of time, at least. Even even further out than a year ahead of time, for crying out loud. You sure. Know? I mean, you have Broadway shows that, you know, the, the, the South Park show, The Book of Mormon, yeah. is booked two and a half years down the line. Sure. 
right now. You know, you, you, how is it possible that in May that's not happening? Yeah. So that's, that's affecting. Well, there is only one answer. There's only one answer. It's mismanagement. It's mismanagement. I'm, I'm very much a believer in top down in a top-down world. If there are problems on the bottom, it's because there are problems on the top. I believe in a bottomless world. Well. Strip clubs. That's good. That's good. That's where most of the NFL players are going to be when they're here. Maybe that's And that's reason. what Roger Goodell is going to be doing. Every night is going to every strip club, making sure that they behave themselves. That they keep their panties on. That's right. Um, so sort of kind of put a bow on this with with the NFL I think there's there's a couple of things I think we're becoming to realize that when you when you think hey you can't add two extra games which the league wants to do for revenue and the players want to do for revenue it, when you when you realize that if you come to the conclusion that's hypocritical because you're saying add two games for money but you're saying that player safety is uh, of utmost importance how can you add two games? Well, to me, that means, well, that means your games, if you can't add two games for player safety, that means your game ain't safe, period. And so what, what are you saying? I mean, if you're, you're basically just saying your, sport's too, your, your sport is unsustainably violent, and that's, I feel like they're, to me, that's what's coming out of this conversation is this league is not sustainable but let me, because of uh, head trauma. And the league is making us come to that conclusion. Well, and, and I'll just say this, that uh, uh, we were talking about this earlier today, that I didn't think that the punditry would surmise about the decline and or demise of the league until Roger Goodell went on his second salvo which he's already declared is going to be against performing enhancing, performance enhancing yeah. drugs in the NFL. Now, the problem that that creates is, as leagues go, to me, is a very obvious one. It's gonna, well, the okay. NFL in particular, it's going to it bring the league to its knees. Well, the, uh, let me just complete the thought that I was just going to say, too, is that it didn't even wait for that second salvo. They're right. talking about it now right. already as a result of what's happening with the Saints and right. with, player uh, with player safety. And he also has the additional issue that uh, you know there, there are these contradictory elements that Someone came up with a technology, a padding technology, that's three times as safe as what they have now. And Goodell knew about it some time ago. This is something that I heard is hearsay, and right. I'd have to look at the articles in order to confirm it. But I've heard it from a couple of different people. He didn't make that requirement. Right. You know, so much like baseball, you have this hypocrisy from leadership where they're saying, we're doing everything we can. Everything we can manifests itself typically as an attack on their labor force yeah. by punishing them for their actions but when the most obvious solution that pre presents itself is this go with the better and newer technology all the time and aggressively of course you have to do that no matter the cost no matter the cost right you have to do that you have to have three times more the protection well now he's got a PR problem because he didn't do that so attack players in the way that they're behaving now, here's the other contradiction to me. You have players who have been told, just like in baseball, after the baseball strike, don't tell me um, that is what caused steroid use in baseball. That was, uh, it was a tacit 
agreement between management and it was pushed by management and it was told to players and I've heard it from people who were at playing at the AAA level about juicing up I've interviewed them I've listened to their stories about that and yeah. I know a player who refused to do it because he didn't want to have small balls that's what he told me he's like I don't want to have to do that but he's like I know I could have made it into Major League Baseball if I would have let taken me ask you something the size of my balls doesn't seem like makes much of a difference. Size of my cock, sure. Size of my balls, uh, I don't find that the maybe, when I'm making maybe love. Maybe you don't have a well, no, no. It it's, that a woman is. But that's where your testosterone is produced. Oh, gotcha. Right. So it's not an aesthetic thing for him. It's just like. Yeah, I need to keep my nuts. Yeah, I need, my nuts need to be like full and and that makes and, sense. And working. I guess it, right. It's so funny after like a lifetime of thinking about nuts only kind of figuratively. Sure. I forget that they do have a literal purpose. They yeah yeah they definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's great. But uh, you know the issue is Joel is that you, you you can't on the one hand baseball had this issue too, is you they are telling players to get from a very young age to get bigger faster and stronger yep every year and we were Jump talking higher. they're totally run faster yeah exactly lift right. more you can lift more NFL six million combine. dollar man NFL combine totally it's like if you that's can, what it is that's how you get that's how you get made that is how you get made yeah. and and we all know that the game is for people who are trainers uh, and you know it from the from the Barry Bonds situation, et cetera, et cetera, that it's like, you know, I can even remember this in the late 80s, that there were instances of when, uh, that was when um, uh, uh, crystal meth came on the scene, yep. right, MDMA, and that if you made one slight chemical variation in it, then that one particular variety would be legal for a certain amount of time. And in this game, with performance enhancing drugs it's the same thing you have people who are experts on finding these chemical variations that have not yet been identified and f finding the window in which it can be purchased when no one knows about it and using those because there is no question when you look at the body uh, the performance and the, the body style of N NFL players the way they look now their weight yeah. and, and their abilities it, it's just once Goodell decides to crack open that genie, that is, that's going to be it. Well, it's it. going to destroy the league. And it I is. A, that I is going to be it. I have me. a thought on that, but quick side note. You know, uh, this is a fact. Black people invented crystal meth. I know that. To get back at the white man who brought cocaine and cracked cocaine into the I know, that's urban my neighborhoods. Joke. No, it's my joke. That's dude. my joke. You are fucking ridiculous. I made that joke. Oh my, my God, joke. you set Don't. me up and I delivered it. You set me at the tee and I delivered. I knocked it out of the park, man, oh when we were on it. It's a running uh, dispute that we have here. Whose joke that is. God damn. Uh, yeah, I think that, I agree. I think that uh, you, you hear all these current players today and they're, when, when, when asked about this player safety issue and this, this gets back to the drug thing, um, and their reaction commonly is you know what it's a dangerous sport this is what i do i don't care about i can't think about what i'm what my head and knees are going to be like when i'm in my 40s i'm here to be a warrior 
Right. That's what I do. I play football. I'm a warrior. And you, you hear this sentiment from most uh, current active NFL players when asked about this issue. Um, you don't think they're doing drugs? If that's their take, that I don't give a shit about concussions or brain trauma or early onset Alzheimer's or having fucked up shot, shot out knees in my 40s. You don't think they're not fucking doing drugs? Of course they're doing drugs. Of course. I, there's question. no question about there's it. No question. You're I mean, Joel, I would, I would, I would even, I would even posit this. Look at, look at the body types of NFL kickers, even. Right. Between the 1980s and now. Sure. Look at it, and look at the kinds of kicks that they're making. Look at Sebastian Janikowski, who, yeah. by the way, got busted for drugs. Yeah. Look at him. That is a jacked up, big freaking dude, yeah. man, with a big head. And I'm sorry, but all the symptoms are there. I'm not saying Don't that apologize. he is, but all the symptoms are there. And, and that's practically every player in the NFL, you know, with the exception, usually, of quarterbacks and a few other players who need to remain lithe in order to make the plays that they need to make. Yep. And that's why those guys are so vulnerable and typically the ones that wind up with these concussions because everyone else on the field is jacked up <laughs> on some kind of drug, you know? And, and that's the thing. If they crack that bottle open in the NFL, it, it will, it'll never go back in because of all the sports in America, the most popular sport asks their players to have a greater level of strength conditioning than any other sport. Agreed. And that's where the motive comes from. You have to be strong and powerful. And the NFL the can't NFL. take, you can't take a step back. You can't go back to a previous era. You can't, it can't get slower. It can't get and that's what you're looking less at. Less powerful. That's what you're because looking at. Because if it, if it does, it's just, and then, then you're, and then, and then maybe the idea is you just change the rules so drastically that it completely de-emphasizes strength, speed, and hits, and it just becomes something else altogether, and I don't see it surviving. I don't see it either, and, 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 and in a certain sense, this is what I'll say, is that a core issue as well that's never going to be talked about is about the lust of the fan base which is really what we're talking about. I know. Am that I, is what's driving this entire thing absolutely. and all of the contradictions that are taking place. And if one thing that I would just say is that Goodell, is a, he's a poor leader, but I would exonerate him on the front uh, just from the standpoint that he's what he seems to be trying to do in a very haphazard and ham-fisted way is to try and meet that demand on some level. And unfortunately because he doesn't know what he's doing he's actually doing the opposite yeah because what he doesn't realize is that bigger faster stronger is what fans demand absolutely and, and that's going to continue right wrong. i mean i had this conversation with a client of mine i was talking to the other day who, who said yeah i love football but boy i guess he said like i love I'll, you know i'm a big fan but it sure it is it is what it is it's violent as all hell i don't see how they're going to keep doing it i don't know i think i think yeah, look the bloom is off the rose for me you well know, i'm but, a, I'm but a lifelong know, nfl not. fan and I've, I, I, I i can i can foresee a day when maybe i'm not a, a, an avid nfl fan i can see it and that's crazy talk 
Well, and for some reason too, when you're on top, it's a little bit more vulnerable because, <coughs> I mean, let's face it, there are blunt head traumas in, in a lot of different sports, you know, and, and up to and including baseball. And uh, even though you think of it as a very sedate sport, I mean, when you're going in the home and the ball is coming to the catcher, you know what I mean? There's a lot yeah. of guys who go in head first, man. You know, they're trying to crack each other and there is no head protection. And hockey is another well, one where they're is, just beating the crap I mean, out of each of other. Good, and, and they're yeah. allowing them to do it. This is kind of a good segue. I, I don't want to get into hockey, but I want to get, we want to talk about the NBA playoffs. Sure. Um, yeah. But the NFL playoff, uh, NHL playoffs, been nuts with the violence. And they finally cracked down on a guy and gave him like, what, a 10 or 15 game suspension or something mm -hmm, like that? Mm hmm for a hit where he left his skates. He, he, he blindsided. I guess, you know, there's acceptable hits in hockey. The guy's got the puck, if he's against the board, if you, but this guy didn't have the puck, wasn't anywhere near the puck, the guy got hit. Wasn't looking, didn't have his head up looking at the guy who hit him, and the guy left his skates and just torpedoed him. Right. And uh, they, they finally, after a whole kind of year of the NHL not doing anything about these crazy hits, whereas courts, back to the NFL thing about the legal system, courts are stepping in and saying, well, not courts, uh, local municipality law enforcement agencies are arresting guys on occasion <laughs> for a hit that happened on the ice. Like, you... You know, you just assaulted a guy at work. That's crazy, man. And, 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 and the, the referee on the ice doesn't call anything, and yet the sheriff comes down and says, yo, I got to book you. Well, and can I say something? <laughs> the, the referee doesn't do anything because they have been instructed by their bosses to look the other way. I mean, hockey has a wrestling-style element to it yeah. where when these fights break out, they, they are basically saying this is a big part of our draw. But I don't think casual we, fans like it. I don't think. I don't. I, I don't really particularly like it either because I, I find don't it like to be boring. I'm a I mean, casual fan. I, I like. I like good. How many jockey grabbing, you know, uh, uh, two guys together spinning around, hitting each other yeah. as hard as they can with with nothing but right hooks? Yeah. I don't, can I you don't, watch all I, year long? I'd rather see know? good skating, nice passing. I'd rather just yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah, freaking goalkeeping. Right, I mean, that's, sure. I like compelling sure, hockey, sure. but and the fighting has nothing to do with it for me, but I'm not a hockey fan. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll check it on some playoff I games. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all for player safety. I, I, I you know, I, I don't want to say it lightly, but, but you have to at some point as a, as a fan yeah. and as uh, a manager and as a participant, as an athlete, you have to accept a certain level of danger. You sure. just have to, and you have to accept that it may even be immoral. Absolutely, and just don't be all hypocritical about it. Don't be hypocritical about you it. Know, and, this and, is the sport that we're. And you do, you, got, you do have to make yeah. a very tough decision at some point when you've had uh, blunt trauma injuries to the head a certain number of times. You know, and I would say someone like Troy Aikman back in the day when they could hit you in the head yep. like that. Um, would be a guy who probably should have retired two years before he did. And probably you know? could have played two years more and didn't, though. And, but I would because say there's other missed head. opportunities that are in you there know. as well. Yeah. And, and some of them would be like this. Like, if you get a certain level, because they have gradients of head trauma, of concussions, yeah. you know? And it's like, if you get three of these in your career in a certain amount of time, 
we are going to sit down and talk to you about the rest of your career yep. at this point. And that's another missed opportunity that Goodell has not done. And this is the thing, this is a, well, this is a very corporate American model to do this as a response to, to a problem that could require some creative solutions that people who are in management have to have the vision to have, which I wouldn't expect out of some trust fund baby. You know, I expect them to go and attack underlings. That, that's the American way. And uh, for me, you, we could probably sit here and brainstorm three or four really good ones right now. Yeah. But you don't hear anything about them. You barely even hear about the, the one about the, the three times padding that is available now. Well, let me kind of lay this on you when, you when you talk about sitting down with the player and discussing the reality of their head trauma. It would be an easier conversation to have. Um, like in the NBA, this happens all the time. Uh, but because because contracts are guaranteed in the NBA, the NFL, the, by, by having a, a collective bargaining agreement in place where contracts are not guaranteed, is there another, speaking of this being a corporation, is there another entity, corporate entity in the world that doesn't have guaranteed contracts? A contract is a contract. I just. It's an oxy-fucking-moron. It is an oxymoron to say non-guaranteed contract. contract. You know, so you're sending players out there and you're, of course guys are going to play hurt. Well, that gets into my common law issue again, you know, right. because again, it's, it's like fucking retarded. It's like, and just I, that issue alone is, is oh, a, I can, as a football if, fan if makes can, me not want to be a football fan. If I can just that issue alone. If I can conceptualize it, then it can be in private industry. And I'm again, you, it's it's yeah. more of the fantasy. I, I I see very much in this Cadell guy the inward leaning fantasy world of someone who grew up wealthy. Can, that, that's that's I, that's how are, most of the people that I've met who are the, grow up like that are. I can do what I want because I dream that it is so. When the aliens come here 100 or 200 years from now or whatever and take our shit over and they look back and they do their their studies of they're going to look at this football and this NFL thing and just really be scratching their heads if they scratch if they can scratch. Right. Because it's fucking absurd. The sport's kind of absurd. The way it's played is sort of absurd. The, the, there's the violence. There's the non-guaranteed contract weirdness. There, it's just it's a it's a weird thing. It's a strange. But it makes me wonder too, like how some of the other violent sports this in the world the are handled. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the sport hurling in in Ireland. You know, it's it's basically baseball and soccer combined. Yeah. They're running up and down a soccer field, a soccer-sized field, with flattened baseball bats. Nice. And uh, there are guys who have refused to wear helmets, who have, uh, you know, medieval-style gashes. It's because uh, they're real men. They're planted real. into their heads. It's because they're men. They're men who also have lost 40 IQ points as a result, you know. Yeah. But the sport still goes on. Nice. In, in, in Ireland. And, and I, I think, you know, you, again, not to beat on a dead horse, but there has to be some acceptance that they're, they've given their lives over to being gladiators. Well, and that's how the NFL players feel about themselves, coming, coming back to that. I mean, that, that is, there is an acceptance. Like, this is what I do. I get paid good money for it. I'm passionate about it. I'm good at it. I'm at the, the top 1% of people who have ever who've played this game in my lifetime, which is why right. I'm here. Right. And I'm going to 
give it everything. And then that's it's just contradictory to what the league is now trying to put forward. And aside from that, I want to add this, and, and we can wrap it up, is that Goodell is completely unfair in the way that he's uh, assessing and doling out these penalties. Yeah. He's riding what is perceived publicly to be really vicious and evil and nasty the way that it sounds to people yeah but in terms of his punishment it's it's not as vicious and evil and nasty as knowing where somebody is going to be on the field at any given time then you can really clock somebody that's right that's what the Patriots did and it's not the case that the reason why uh, Greg Williams was punished so severely and Sean Payton was punished so severely is because they came and told them and then the Saints ignored them, which gets to the arrogance issue. It's true that the Saints were arrogant on that front, but if what Goodell is saying is true, the same thing would have happened to Josh McDaniel in Denver and he would have been punished and he would have been uh, suspended for a year because he videotaped the second time after right. he was told exactly. to stop. Exactly. So he cheated twice and he's now back with New England. Not only is he back the, with New England, but he, coordinator but he again. went back with them. Can I add something? Yeah. His punishment for doing it the second time, and this is why Goodell is hypocritical, yeah. was less. Right. So for a second violation, he was punished less than the first one. Now, Denver decided to terminate his career in Denver. Yeah. The NFL didn't decide that. Yeah. He actually was allowed to continue coaching yeah. after that. He was fined $20,000 yeah. because in London, another videographer, in fact, the same guy who ran the video department in New England, he brought over to Denver. Right. He was attempting to do the exact same thing. And there's one reason and one reason why, and I know it because I'm in that business. It's because it worked Right. It worked of course it worked. really well. It works really well when you know what the defense is going to do before you, they you do it. You think? That's <laughs> fucking retarded. I mean, it's ridiculous, man. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous the way that thing went down in the media, that people minimized it in the way that they did. It's clear that that shit worked. There's only one reason people do video. It's too much work. It's too hard. It's too much of a pain in the ass to engage that work unless it has a benefit, unless, it's, a has, clear an, unless benefit. it has an impact. That's right, and Absolutely. it has an impact, and it was obvious that it had an impact, well, and that's why they did it. And Roger Goodell glossed that over. I just hope we in his uh, first round of I hope, punishment. I hope, I hope the Saints have a, a, a reaction similar to what the Patriots did the in the year following Spygate. And was to win every game and then lose to, the uh, to, Super Bowl. Well, to win every game. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Um, hey, we've never done this before, <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking about like maybe making this a two-parter. You want to make it a two-parter? Well, how much? How far are we into it? Uh, right we're about now? 40 minutes into it, which uh -huh. we usually would do about an hour and a half. But uh, I, I just really have to use the bathroom. Huh. And, I think, and I thought maybe we could hit pause, come back and talk uh, NBA playoffs. I think it's a good idea. A little Bobby Jindal. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got some good stuff coming up. But All I right, think, folks. That's what we're going to do. Joel's going to go use the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're going to pause for a second, and then we're going to come back. And it, it has been a little unusual if you've listened to the other podcast that yeah. we usually don't, we haven't talked sports and politics no, uh, that much. That's right. But that's what we talk all. about a lot. Yeah, know. we do. We, we do. And we're going to touch on some more of those. And uh, as we're talking right now, we're actually watching the... Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right yeah, in now. game one. And uh, next time, I thought it, one of two things. Next time, I'll either bring like my my big brother who just used to torture me on road trips when I was like 16. And it wouldn't stop for me to pee, and I'd have to pee in a jug Ugh, in the car. That was a pain. And of course, he's like feeding me beers when I'm 16. 
his whole bag was like, he was in the military or something, at the Air Force. And we would take the trips to, from Charlotte to Birmingham, which should be an eight-hour drive. But it was Peeing like a jug, kid. Five hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, because he was flooring And it. he would have, he'd be like, we're nice. having a beer every 30 minutes. That's my deal. That way I won't get drunk. You know? <laughs> and then I had to pee in the jug. So either I pee in the jug on the podcast, or I've been thinking about this, too. I haven't talked to you. I haven't uh, mentioned it, but we might do these things as multiple partners maybe in the future just on purpose not just because I have to use the bathroom that's fine just because breaking it up might make a little sense and make it easier for people to yeah yeah to listen to like one part and this part yeah sure yeah yeah okay so we're going to pause we're going to try this for the first time right now folks all right we'll see you in a few